When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. What follows may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The world is full of stories. Stories of mysteries. Of curiosities. Of oddities. Join Kat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. So it's kind of a milestone, 600 episodes. Well, we're 601 now. Right. Um, And we're also coming toward the end of the year. Right. And with the new year approaching comes new opportunities. Yeah, we've got a change coming up, and uh, we want to give you a little heads up. We are shifting the way that we release episodes. Up until now, 600 episodes, we have done uh, an episode that was anywhere between 28 and 40 minutes. Um, it's very specific. I don't think yeah, we were ever that specific. Maybe somewhere in, in that <laughs> area. Um, on Monday and on Thursday, with a total of four stories. Two for you, two for me. Right. So in the future, starting at the beginning of the year, we're going to be switching so that once a week, we're going to be dropping a longer episode. A supersize episode. Yeah. So you won't be getting two a week. You'll just be getting one longer one. Yeah. Same amount of content, but in one nice, neat package. And then we've got some funsies coming too, where we're going to be introducing the inbox of oddities. Now, you know that this is something I have been advocating for, for you guys (laughs) for years, Mm -hmm. and it's finally happening. It's finally happening. So uh, we'll be dropping uh, a couple of additional inbox of oddities episodes throughout the month. Your stories, your voice, your spookies, you know, whatever it is that you want to share with us, uh, we will then pass along to the Freak family. Now, we've thought long and hard about this. We even held a little bit of a focus group with the inner circle of freaks on Zoom and uh, presented the idea and overwhelmingly they thought it would be great. Now, that being said, we'll try it out for a few weeks and see what you guys think. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. My story for you today is a weird one. Oh. Yeah, yeah. There's something lurking. Oh, you have my attention. Lurking. You have my attention. In deep space. We don't know what it is, but we do know that it is massive. Imagine a vast unseen force embedded deep in the cosmos, and it's silently pulling entire galaxies toward it. And it's 
a black hole? It is not a black hole. It's far more powerful than any black hole that we've discovered. It, it's pulling entire galaxies with their billions of stars all drifting toward an unknown destination. It's referred to by astrophysicists and science community in general as the Great Attractor. This enigma, the Great Attractor, lies in a place we can't easily see because it's hidden behind the veil of our own Milky Way. You know, when we see the Milky Way, we're just seeing the edge of the galaxy that, uh, that we are in. But that band of lights obscures our view and makes it even more difficult to determine what this thing is. It's a cosmic mystery with such a magnitude that it completely challenges any understanding we have of the universe. But then again, we don't really know that much to begin. We think we do. Right. What could possess such immense gravitational power? You had mentioned a black hole. That was my first thought. But they say, no, it's it's so much more than that. It's a colossal congregation of galaxies, perhaps, or a massive concentration of elusive dark matter. That could be. It could also be something more exotic or bizarre. Some theories even venture into the quantum realms, which I love it. The bizarre and the speculative. Could the great attractor be a bridge to a parallel universe? It's possible. Quantum physics does not say that's impossible. A cosmic anomaly, maybe from a past universe or even some kind of a fringe theory. Well, one in particular uh, that it uh, may be the work of some sort of advanced civilization. But let's start with mainstream media. Here's what we know for sure. Astronomers' best guess is that it's a massive supercluster of galaxies. Think of it as a giant collection of galaxies and gas and all this stuff called dark matter mm. that we can't even see. And it's not just any collection, but one so colossal. Now, you know how big our Milky Way galaxy is. It's pretty big. If you put them side by side, the Great Attractor makes the Milky Way look like a speck of dust. We're talking massive. We're actually part of something that's called the Lanea Kea Supercluster, which is a Hawaiian word that means immense heavens. Okay, makes sense. And this Great Attractor is like kind of like the downtown of our supercluster. Everything seems to be moving in this direction. It's got such great pull, such immense gravitational pull, that it's making galaxies over stupendously vast areas drift toward it. Then there are the scientists who say that it's not a supercluster, it's just dark matter. Which is still mysterious and confusing. Yeah, I don't even really know exactly what that is. I had to look it up. I mean, I've heard the term a million times, but dark matter is a mysterious and invisible substance that makes up most of the universe's mass. We can't see it, but we know it's there because of its gravitational effects on galaxies. It's like the hidden framework of the galaxies that holds everything together. Did you know this? In our entire known universe, dark matter makes up 85% of the mass. Oh, wow. I did not know that. And we call it dark matter, not because it's like evil or anything. Well, it could be. We don't know. Right. Um, but it's dark because it does not interact with light, so we can't see it. Right. We know it's there because of the way it plays with gravity. It's like an invisible 
puppet master pulling strings. But we're just now beginning to understand. We're at the very beginning stages of understanding what the hell this thing is, because first of all, it's hard to see. And uh, <laughs> secondly, it's really big and mysterious. When it comes to the great attractor, some folks in the stargazing community have been whispering about theories that would make even the most imaginative uh, sci-fi writer do a double take. Picture this. What if the Great Attractor isn't just an ordinary cluster of galaxies or a blob of dark matter? What if it's an entirely new cosmic beast that we've never seen before? Mm. We're talking about uncharted territory. Um, a phenomenon so bizarre and unique that it doesn't fit into any of our current cosmic categories. Maybe it's a living creature. Maybe it's just something we have yet to discover. Imagine we've discovered the cosmic equivalent of a deep sea creature living in the depths of space, defying all of our expectations. It's, it just, it could be something that we just, we can't understand because we have no frame of reference. Right. You and I have talked about the um, expanding universe theory, the idea that uh, the universe is expanding and at some point it'll get to a stage where there's no resistance and it'll start to collapse back in on itself and right. then boom, another big bang. One theory is that the great attractor might be some sort of a cosmic fossil left over from a universe that existed before our big bang banged us into, into reality. That's an interesting concept. I love that idea. Even before our universe's spectacular beginning, in this theory, there was an older universe, and in this ancient cosmos, there were stars and galaxies, perhaps different from our own. Now, what if the cataclysmic event took place to reset the cosmic stage for our universe, and it left something from a bygone era? Survived. What if the Great Attractor is like a chunk of space-time fabric from an ancestral universe? It's kind of like cosmic archaeology. I was just going to say almost exactly that thing. And then I started thinking, is space archaeologist a thing? I want to be a space archaeologist. I mean, it combines two things that I really thought I was going to be involved in when I was a kid. So You wanted to be an archaeologist and an astronaut? Not necessarily an astronaut, but something spacey. And also a marine biologist. <laughs> and a cowboy. That's what I wanted to be. Actually, I wanted to be a... Uh... Train conductor. We all know. Well, besides the train conductor, um, I, <laughs> I wanted to be uh, an archaeologist as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe in an alternate universe, we both did become archaeologists, and that's how we meet and fall in love. Maybe that was it. Right. And maybe there's some evidence in the uh, leftover cosmic time fabric in the big attractor. It's the great attractor. The great attractor. The big attractor is its lesser known cousin. Right. The bigger tractors for cutting the lawn. So that idea kind of plays with the idea of a cyclic universe concept, which which I love. Universes are born. They live their cosmic days. They die. They're reborn again. It's like looking at a shadow or an echo from a time before time as we know it. And the notion that uh, we could potentially touch a piece of another universe is thrilling. It's the ultimate cosmic archaeology. But it keeps getting stranger. Oh, you were hoping it would. I knew. There's a hypothesis that suggests the Great Attractor isn't your average cosmic heavyweight. It might actually be a place where our universe, this vast expanse that we call home, is bumping up against a parallel universe. Picture it this way. Two soap bubbles floating in the air, close but separate, each its own swirls and colors. Now imagine those bubbles gently touch each other. That touch, that thin spot where they meet, 
is what some people think the great attractor could be. It's not just pulling things within our universe, but it might also be pulling things from a parallel universe, creating a gravitational anomaly, essentially, in two different universes at the same time. And of course, this hints at the multi-universe theory, which really excites a lot of people. It could change our understanding of space-time and even the fabric of reality. But some of the most out-of-the-box thinkers have looked at the Great Attractor and wondered if uh, it's not just a natural phenomenon, but something more, suggesting that the it's a grand design of some advanced civilization being so incredibly sophisticated that they are able to play with time and space. Mm. Let's push the idea to its limit. Imagine a civilization not just a few hundred years ahead of us, but millions or even billions of years more advanced. To them, creating something like this would be child's play. But why stop there? What if these aren't aliens from another star? But what if they're humans from the far future? Consider that notion. It's like a time loop where humanity evolves to a point of such cosmic power that they reach back through the vast stretches of time to engineer the universe's structure, ensuring their own existence in a paradoxical twist. The great attractor in this scenario could be a future echo of human ingenuity, a cosmic scale gravitational project designed to shape the very destiny of our cosmos. Yeah, I don't know. Is that a little out there for you? Well, I just know that it's 2023 and like... Probably the world's going to end in the next couple of years anyway. And <laughs> So it's pretty far out concept. Uh, this civilization, whether it's alien or future human beings, might be manipulating the fundamental forces of nature to create a gravitational masterpiece that guides the evolution of the galaxies. Uh, it's a concept that uh, certainly sounds like science fiction, but uh, boy, it does. It's, intri it's an intriguing idea. The study of the great attractor is complicated by its location in the zone of avoidance is what they, <laughs> is what they call it. Mm -hmm. The zone of avoidance. I know it well. <laughs> it's an area, in this case, of the sky, which is obscured by the Milky Way's galactic plane. It makes it difficult for us to to observe in optical wavelengths and so it's this is a i just read that the hubble has been um, zeroing in on it as best as it can but we have a long way to go before we understand exactly what it is mainstream science has some very plausible explanations for the great attractor its full nature remains one of the great mysteries of astrophysics and even though yeah, it's probably a giant supercluster. It does leave room for a range of more, shall we say, imaginative theories. Sure. Aliens are real. Actually, I like the idea of time travel more than, than aliens. Got my information from universetodayspace.com, uh, Big Think, and NASA. That was fascinating. You hear Kat and I talk a lot about aura frames, and there's a reason for that. We live in Ecuador, and our family is all over the place. In fact, Kat right now is up visiting her mom, and when I say up, I mean Maine. We got her an aura frame, so we could share photos and videos from any device, and they'll instantly appear on the frame, which makes it easy because she's getting up there in years. It's easy to set up. It takes about two minutes to set up a frame using the Aura app, and it's the perfect gift for Mother's Day. 
Aura frames are beautiful Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. It is the perfect gift for Mother's Day. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get 30% off free shipping and their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Oddities at checkout to save. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com and use code Oddities at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And now, that thing in the middle. When Disneyland opened in 1955, there were five themed neighborhoods. Adventureland, Frontierland, Fantasyland, Main Street USA, and Tomorrowland. When Tomorrowland opened in 1955, it was designed to look like a year in the distant future. 1986. We got a message from Tracy. She said, I wanted to send you a message to let you know that you're not alone in your journey. We put our 14-year-old half almost completely blind one-eyed boy down on the 29th the waves of sadness are hitting me hard sometimes but you're not alone in this grieving process i'm sorry for your loss there was a commercial for better help that jg did on shallow end he said it is natural to feel sometimes some sadness and anxiety adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings After hearing that while I was driving, immediately after I made that dreaded appointment for my sweet Rocky dog, I knew I needed to do something to make myself feel better. So I had reached out to Bright Eyes Dog Rescue, and I will be starting to foster some pups after this awful cold goes away. (laughs) God bless you and your beautiful freaks. Love you and take care. Also, bring all the dogs home, cat. See? (laughs) Tracy says I can't. (laughs) <laughs> well, we actually are going to have a couple of dogs in the house for uh, a week or so. We are dog sitting, and Yay. I'm the most excited. Our friends Adam and Jennifer are uh, going out of town for a few days, and uh, we get to take care of their dogs. And also, it gives us a great opportunity to burgle their house. Just kidding, you guys. Hey, Cat and JG, my name is Elisa. And I am super behind on Boo. I'm just catching up now. I just finished listening to Box 588. 
I was one of the, presumably, many that didn't send in my story for Halloween because, despite Kat's insistence that we all have beautiful voices, I cannot stand the sound of my voice. (laughs) I'm kicking myself for not doing it this year since I have a very similar story to Beth's daughter, Alice. Some sort of doppelganger or alternate person in your home? I grew up in an old house in Summers Point, New Jersey. The house, about 100 years old in the 90s, was rumored to have been an old speakeasy since the previous owner had found old liquor bottles and a roulette wheel in the basement. Fun. When I was young, my mom had tucked me in for a nap. She left my room to turn towards the kitchen. In the doorway of the kitchen, she saw me. Fake me had noticed that she saw it and ran into the kitchen. What? When when my mom got to the kitchen, it had vanished. The only way out was the kitchen door, and it was locked with a deadbolt and a chain. We all had weird experiences in this house. Usually, you just never felt alone and that someone was watching you. We frequently saw shadow people. Mm. We smelled cigar smoke. And the previous owner did not smoke cigars and had died suddenly of a heart attack in the house near the kitchen. Anyway, I'm thoroughly regretting my choice to not send in my story. I have others, though. I'll get over my hatred of my voice and be sure to send them next year. Please do. Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Have you ever wondered what really happened to Amelia Earhart or the lost colony of Roanoke? Do you ever find yourself scouring the internet for vicious Victorians and their murders by gaslight? Or perhaps you're just sick and tired of women being constantly misrepresented or plain lied about throughout history? If so, join me, Katie Charlwood, history harlot and reader of books on Who Did What Now? The history podcast that's not your history class, part of the Area of Media Network. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Adios, au revoir, au revoir to zen, my friends. Bye-bye. I'll be seeing you. We needed one more of these liners to fill out the page. And this was it. This is The Box of Oddities. In... Ancient Egypt, many believed that after death, a person's soul would enter the realm of the afterlife. So you did space today and I brought Egypt. And I love it. We're totally working for each other here. William Shatner would be proud of our topic selections. Does William Shatner love Egyptian history? Yes. All right. I just thought it'd be a good opportunity to play William Shatner. Oh, okay. Do you want me to push the button? I don't know which one it is. Throw this one over. For me. What follows may not be Cat and Jethro box of oddities. That is really mysterious. We should really label those buttons. Yeah. Yeah.
So in the afterlife, they would face judgment before the god Osiris and a tribunal of 42 judges. And this process was known as the weighing of the heart. You remember. Where they would put your heart on a scale and if it was heavier than a feather... Uh, you got doomed to eternal damnation. That's right. It indicated that the person had committed sins or transgressions in their life. And in that case, the heart would be devoured by a fearsome creature called a mitt, known as the devourer of souls. Now, is that the one that kind of looked like a crocodile? Yeah, it looked like a lion crocodile. They had some messed up looking gods. Yeah, this one, he be looking fierce. Ooh. Yeah, it looks like he's in a drag show. He's <laughs> more like a dragon show. Oh, well, I see what you did there. Because he's reptilian yeah. in nature. Just like Dick Cheney. Now, these 42 judges represented different aspects of Egyptian society and were believed to have the authority to pass judgment on the deceased. Osiris, the god of the afterlife and the underworld, presided over these proceedings and made the final decision based on the weighing of the heart. So basically, in the afterlife, you'd have to go in front of Osiris and these judges and plead your case. Now, at Tap Osiris Magna Temple in Alexandria, an ancient temple located about 45 kilometers west of Alexandria, Egypt, It's not as well known as some of the other ancient Egyptian sites, but that doesn't mean it's not worth talking about. The temple was built during the Ptolemaic period, around 3rd century BCE, and it's dedicated to Isis and Osiris. It's known for its impressive architecture and its role in Egyptian mythology. It was designed to honor the gods and serve as a place of worship, and historians believe that it played a significant role in the cult of Osiris. The temple complex sits on a hill overlooking the Mediterranean Sea, provides a picturesque backdrop, but over the years it fell into disrepair and was buried under the sand. However, in recent decades, archaeologists have been excavating the site and making fascinating discoveries. In 2008, an Egyptian archaeologist named Dr. Zahi Hwas led a team that uncovered a series of underground tombs near the temple. These contained well-preserved mummies and artifacts from the Greco-Roman period, and some claim that this temple is connected to the burial site of Cleopatra VII. No way. Yeah. One of the many intriguing discoveries happened in 2021. During the excavation at the Tap Osiris Magna Temple, the team uncovered a series of 16 burials within rock-cut tombs that were commonly used during the Greek and Roman periods. They discovered the funeral mask of a woman, eight golden flakes of a golden wreath, and eight marble masks dating back to the Greek and Roman eras. The Antiquities Ministry said that a number of coins bearing the name and portrait of Queen Cleopatra VII had previously been found inside that temple. These tombs also housed mummies that, unfortunately, were in a pretty serious state of deterioration. But here's where things get really intriguing, and what caught everyone's attention was a surprise in the mummy's mouth. A gold tongue. Not an actual organ, but a foil amulet shaped like a tongue. Now, in ancient Egypt, embalmers would occasionally create tongues using gold foil and place them in the mouths of the deceased instead of their actual tongues, those they'd lob out because who needs it? Right. These gold tongues were thought to enable communication with Osiris. And since they were going to have to stand in front of Osiris and plead their case that their heart was super light, Mm. this gold tongue would help them in that plight. But they used gold foil. Yes. Not, Not solid gold. That's right. Okay. 
I guess it wouldn't matter. They were only weighing the heart anyway. I was thinking, it's like when I weigh myself, I take all of the change out of my pocket first. Smart. This is a unique find, but it's not singular. Before Alexander the Great's conquest of Egypt in 332 BCE, there was a region known as Oxyrhynchus, situated approximately 140 miles south of Cairo in what is now the modern town of El Banasa. It served as a significant Egyptian center, and recently, archaeologists made another incredible discovery involving tongues. I love incredible tongue discoveries. In these ancient tombs that they uncovered, they found remarkably preserved mummies of a man and a woman who passed away around 2,500 years ago. What's even more astonishing is that one of these tombs remained sealed and untouched until 2021. That's incredible. It's so unique because plundering, you know? Yeah, for millennia, not just the past few years. Two golden tongues were found still inside the mouths of both of the remains, as well as a collection of fascinating artifacts, including a scarab amulet, four jars used in the mummification process, which probably contained the actual tongues, and an assortment of 400 faience pieces. These artifacts were small glazed earthenware funerary figures, adding to the intriguing findings. And there was a similar find in 2022 in a necropolis that is in a place that I can't pronounce. And I searched the entirety of the internet and no one can tell me how to pronounce it. But it starts with a Q. (laughs) About 40 miles south of Cairo, it dates back to 300 BCE to about 640 CE. Golden chips in the form of tongues were found in their mouths. And in this case, several mummies were found with gold directly on their bones under the linen wraps, suggesting that the bodies may have been sprinkled with gold before before the final part of the mummification process. Oh, wow. Again, though, I can't imagine that gold is going to help much in the whether or not you weigh more than a feather process. That's true. Yeah. I think we kind of just cherry picked how we... (laughs) handled weight in the afterlife then, which is fine. No judging. You do you, boo. No judging, except for by Osiris. Yeah, he's so judgmental. Ugh. All the time. Right? Oh, your heart weighs too much. Screw you. (laughs) That was a lot. These recent discoveries hold the potential to enhance our understanding of the funeral customs practiced during that era. And because they are relatively unique finds we're uncovering more and more about how they looked at the afterlife. It provides insight into culture, history, beliefs of one of the most fascinating civilizations, I think, and a glimpse into religious rituals, burial customs. The examination of ancient Egypt helps us gain a deeper understanding of human history and civilization. And it's neat. Oh, it's way neat. That's the thing. I recently saw like a 3D rendering of what uh, the pyramids looked like in their glory. Mm. You know, now we see a big pile of rocks and it's been pilfered and knocked over. And but the original version was completely sleek with limestone Mm. polished all the way to the top. So it gleamed. And then the capstone was solid gold. It's like something you see in a sci-fi movie or something. Yeah, it's very Stargatey. Very Stargatey. Oh. Let's watch Stargate. Yes, please. Okay. Oh, I'm so excited. I haven't seen that in a long time. 
I watched it right before we moved out of Paramount. So speaking of the Paramount, Elisa's story reminded me of the Paramount because that was such a weird time. It was. I had such a hard time sleeping. Well, not that I don't all the time anyway, but it was definitely because I felt like I wasn't alone. Yeah. We had to sage the apartment. It was weird. Yeah. That helped. I mean, it's not, it wasn't an old apartment building. It's just that there was a a tragic event that took place right outside the window. Um, Well, I don't know if that's connected to my feelings that I don't know. I but can't that's about say. when it started. That's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it was a, it was a tragic thing that happened. Um, I, I don't want to talk about it again, but uh, somebody lost their life in a very tragic way. It was awful. It was. But uh, after that, there just seemed to be this dark presence. Yeah. And so we saged and everything was fine. The end. Speaking of everything being fine, uh, everything is not fine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we wanted to uh, get you guys in the loop because uh, there are some things going on personally. And um, if you know, if you don't care about our personal lives, just right to the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we recently found out that my mom has cancer and uh, it's pretty late in the stages. Uh, she just started chemo this week. And my friend Amber's stepfather actually drove her home from chemo, which is amazing. And thank you, Amber, for all the help that you've provided over the last couple of weeks. You're incredible. You're an angel. And I love you immensely. But we're in Ecuador. She's in Maine. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, my dad is struggling with dementia issues. And so there's just a lot of moving parts right now in our families that may require us to... uh, make some quick, unexpected trips. Yeah. We do have plans to go up in January, um, but we did want to let you know, like in the event that something comes up and happens, you know, we didn't want you to think like, where's the episode or whatever. Like if something happens, we just wanted you to be in the loop. And it's also like really convenient timing that we're switching to this one mega episode. Can I call it a mega episode? Call it An whatever Uber you want. episode? Yeah. I don't know. It's fine. I wanted to call it Kevin. It's going to help streamline things a little bit and make things easier where we're going to be, you know, in and out. And there's just a lot of unknown family stuff, a lot of unknown things. So bear with us, please. Thank you. (laughs) Love you. We'll get through it together. And uh, always do. Yeah. We appreciate you guys. Um, So much. You've helped us so much through some some struggles and, and some recent ones. Um, we'll see you next time. Just like that. Yep, wrapping it yep, up. Okay. Yep. Just dropping a sad bomb yep. on you and then leaving. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Keep flying that freak flag. And fly it proudly, you beautiful freak. And so, let it be known that the box of oddities belongs to you. And its fate is in your hands. Therefore, it's been requested by those to whom I report to beseech you for assistance. We ask but one thing of you, to provide a five-star rating and a positive review. True, that is two things. However, tis merely a five-star rating and a positive review. Also, subscribe to us. Okay, so three things is all we ask. Three things and three things only. Henceforth, the Box of Oddities commits to the telling of stories. Stories of the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, We wish to offer our deeply felt gratitude and appreciation for your patronage. 
TheBoxOfOddities.com. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. My name is Greg Jackson. I'm a historian, professor, and the creator of History That Doesn't Suck, a podcast that provides a complete overview of U.S. history through storytelling, yet keeps the rigor you'd expect in a university class. Starting with 22-year-old George Washington in his first battle, join me for a chronological telling of the United States' story. It's unlikely revolution, fractious civil war, tenacious inventors, brave reformers, and more. With more than 100 episodes, you can already binge listen your way through the progressive era. Find History That Doesn't Suck wherever you get your podcasts.